0: I. V. M. Folks, welcome to Paisa Paisa. I'm your Anpam Gupta B50 on Twitter and we are doing some B2B FinTech stuff today. We don't do this very often, but if you've tracked our podcast's We do some interesting stuff on SMEs and MSMEs. So if you have one, you're the founder of one, you will find this very interesting. And if you're tracking the India fintech space also, I'm pretty sure that this is worth your time. My guest, Rupify, R-U-P-I-F-I, and the topic BNPL, that's buy now, pay later for SMEs. We'll talk about all of that right after this short break. And welcome back, my guest Anubhav Jain, co founder at Drupify. Anubhav, welcome to Pesa. Thank you so much for doing this for our listeners.
1: Thank you, Anupam. Really excited to be on Pesavesa with you.
0: Thank you so much. So let's get into what Drupify does, right? Because as per your website, Drupify provides embedded B2B payments and checkout for marketplaces. Could you help us understand what exactly this means? Sure. Let
1: me break it down and uh, make it simple to understand. So there are three parts. To what Trupify does, like you said, there is the embedded word that is there in what we do, B2B payments, which is very core to what we provide, and marketplaces. So taking a step back and in talking in terms of first principles, B2B, when we talk about, we are talking about businesses to businesses. So it could be a very simple transaction where there is a small retailer who's buying from a distributor or a distributor who's buying from a brand. So both these are B2B transactions. Now, what we are doing is we started this company, Rupify, two years back, and we could clearly see that 2010 to 2020 was the decade of consumer internet of e-commerce. But 2020 to 2030, we believe, is the decade of B2B and SaaS. And the reason why we say so is because in all developed economies, if you see, consumer uh, economy is followed by infrastructure development the work that happens behind to get the consumer their products and there are four more steps of supply chain behind every single product is delivered to our customer so we always believed that this is the time for us to get behind these b2b supply chains and b2b marketplaces was one aspect which was growing very fast in india we all know about the stories of companies like uran which have done really well, they have grown fast, they have proven that how they can remove middlemen and create efficiencies in the whole supply chain ecosystem. We were very clear that there will be many more such companies which will be built. And this was back in 2019, 2020, when we were just thinking about Groupify. And fortunately, we've been proven absolutely right because if you see the last couple of years, there is a lot of capital, there's a lot of growth that has happened on the B2B marketplace side. A B2B marketplace is nothing but, you can imagine, something like a Flipkart or an Amazon for businesses. So the the way consumers buy from an e-commerce website, the same way businesses buy from a B2B commerce or a B2B marketplace. Now, a B2B marketplace will always provide products, they will solve for supply chain, they will solve for product, and they'll solve for logistics. But there is always an angle in a B2B transaction, which is payments and credit. For all the listeners, I think everybody knows that when a small business tries to buy supplies for their shop, they would want some period of credit because when you get products into your shop, it will take some time for customers to come and buy. So there is a working capital gap that we are trying to bridge. And I think that's the biggest requirement that Indian MSMEs have. Today, we have 60 million SMEs in India and they struggle with working capital. So we said that, hey, there are B2B marketplaces. They need payment solutions and that payment solution needs to have a credit option. And that's where we said that on their checkout, on their payment page, we will give a buy now, pay later product. And this buy now, pay later product has to be absolutely embedded. When I say embedded, the customer in the journey should not be required to move to a third-party page. We will put our product right there inside the B2B Marketplace app. So that's what we do. A typical small retailer goes to a B2B marketplace, selects their products, goes to their checkout or payment page, and they will see multiple payment options. They will see UPI. If they have money, they can use that. Or they will see Rupify, which will provide them with 15, 30, 45, or 60 day credit option. So that's very simply put what we do.
0: Fantastic. So just to get this right, are you the, you know, so Are you the technology provider or the enabler here or do you also take lending on your books like an NBFC, right? Because typical BNPL players have that angle as well. What exactly is your role or your identity in this entire process?
1: Sure. So in this entire process, we do everything end-to-end right from sourcing the customer to underwriting the customer, looking at their data, uh, servicing the customer and collections from the customer. The only thing that we don't do today is the balance sheet. So we are not an NBFC. We uh, work with most of the incumbents, the traditional banks and NBFCs, provide them a technology layer. So like you rightly said, Anupam, we are the technology interface, the bridge between the marketplace customer and the lender, which otherwise does not exist for such a product. So we do everything from heavy lifting in terms of data, from operations to collections. But we work with a traditional balance sheet provider.
0: Great. So let's understand the problem here, you know, or the use case or how this works and how this helps SMEs and MSME. I mean, there's, there's someone who's listening to this episode and who runs an SME or an SME uh, or an MSME. Let's make it more relatable sure. for that person, right? BNPL fill the gap for individuals, Typically, people who did not have a credit history. So if I go online and I want to buy, say, a 10,000 rupees mobile phone and I don't have a credit card, boom, BNPL helps me out there. How does your product work?
1: Sure. So if let's say I'm a Kirana store or I'm a small medical shop or I'm a small mobile electronics shop, whenever I go and source new products for my shop, I go to a distributor, I go to a B2B marketplace and I buy. Now, typically what happens is there is always a gap in terms of capital when i buy it will take some time for me to sell those products right so i'm out of pocket for for a certain number of days depending on how fast i can sell that product in my in my store what we do is we tell this msme the small retailer that hey you go to your distributor you go to the marketplace select the products but you don't have to pay anything we will look at your data your transaction history with the marketplace, with your suppliers and approve you a certain credit line. You can use that much to source, keep those products in your store, take 15 days or 30 days, depending on the kind of industry you belong to, sell it and then come back and pay me. So you're not going out of pocket for a single rupee on day one. You get the flexibility to pay after N number of days. And the beauty of this product is you don't have to pay anything extra. For this service because the marketplace is providing you this at their cost so the cost of getting this 30-day credit or 45-day credit is borne by the marketplace it's a subvented product
0: that's interesting so how does this work i mean you said i like the term embedded b2b payment so you're saying that your your technology or your option the bpl the bnpl option rests within the payment system so when you check out you have to choose it out there is that how it how it works and, you know, just trying to understand how you solve the problem for the SM, uh, for the SME.
1: Sure. So let's say uh, the retailer goes, selects the products. Let's take an example of a Kirana store. A Kirana store is going to a B2B marketplace and they select 20 kgs of rice and 40 liters of oil. The total bill comes to be 10,000 rupees. Now they go to the payment page. They say, I will pay using my Rupify credit line. The moment that happens, we send them an OTP. Confirm the transaction. This is because we need to know that it's the same customer who's using the credit line. Once the transaction is confirmed, at that point of time, nothing happens. We just create a block on their credit line. So let's say he had 50,000 credit limit. I will block 10,000 rupees on his line, but there are no dues. There is no money movement. We wait for the B2B marketplace, which could be an Uran or a Walmart or a Flipkart wholesale or anybody to deliver this. 20 kgs of rice and 40 liters of oil to your shop. The moment delivery happens, we again send you an OTP and you confirm that, yes, I have received the products. At that point, we trigger a disbursement request to the lender that, hey, so-and-so bank, can you disburse this 10,000 rupees to this marketplace because they have delivered the products. So they need that money, right? So we get that money delivered. So this all technology piece happens through APIs in a real-time basis. So we get the money to the marketplace. Now, marketplace is happy. They've delivered the product. They've got their money on day one. Now, what happens is we wait for those 15-day period to be over. On the 15th day, because this is an embedded product, what we do is through this B2B marketplace app, we send a notification to the small business or this Kirana shop that your 10,000 rupees is due today. Can you open your marketplace app? And within that, make a payment. So there is no Rupify app you have to download. There is no Rupify interface that you have to interact with. It's all embedded inside your supplier app. So they go to that app and they they will see that notification. They click on it and that will again open a set of options. You want to repay using UPI. You want to repay using bank account. You want to repay using a debit card. They pay it and the transaction is closed. So that's how this works within the Marketplace app.
0: Fantastic, folks! We're going to take a small break out here, but don't go anywhere. When we come back, we're going to go under the hood. Okay, we're going to talk about all sorts of stuff, like what does the kirana store need to be equipped to do all of this, and how does the entire loan process work? Interest rates, cost, stuff like that. On this really special episode of Pesa Pesa, we'll be right back. And welcome back. Okay, Anubhav, so I understand consumer BNPL. That's quite simple. Like I said, you log on to an Amazon, buy a phone, choose BNPL, boom, you're sorted. And then each and every month you pay out the EMIs. There's also a couple of um, intricacies out there, right? Because a BNPL typically then probably puts me into the credit score radar of credit bureaus. And then I come under, uh, you know, then I I need to maintain good credit behavior. I'm not sure um, if that is, similar to what happens in kirana stores but if you can just walk us through the process out here what do i need as a kirana store to sign up for rupify do i need to have you know basic minimum stuff like a bank account and uh, running internet a laptop or a mobile phone and when i take your um, product you know when i sign on to rupify do i then start to get a credit history will i then have a credit score will i then need to maintain a certain credit behavior let's look at this from the um, From the store's perspective?
1: Sure. So I think uh, let's try and list down similarities and differences between a consumer BNPL and a B2B. BNPL that should clarify some of this. Like a consumer BNPL, a B2B BNPL is also a loan product. So, yes, it will help you build your credit history. There will be a record created on your credit bureau the moment you take this product. Because it's a credit product, yes. Just like any other credit product, you have to do two things. Provide your KYC and sign a digital loan agreement, which is a simple terms and conditions, but it's signed digitally, like a checkbox for terms and conditions. A click wrap agreement is what we call it. Other than that, because we are embedded, so unlike a consumer BNPL, and most consumer BNPL companies have their own app. Some of them don't, but most of them have their own app. Because we are embedded, there is no requirement to download our app. But a smartphone with a 4G connection is something that is required because the customer is onboarded on a on an application, which is the Marketplace app. So a typical journey goes like this. If you are first time interacting with Rupify, if this is your first transaction, then what we do is we ask the Kirana store or the proprietor for their name, their PAN number and their mobile number. In most cases, these details come to us directly from the marketplace through a deep integration. So it's all pre-filled. You don't have to type, you don't have to enter, you just have to check and verify. That's your first screen. The next screen is the individual KYC of the proprietor. So we do an Aadhaar-based KYC where we ask the proprietor to enter their Aadhaar number. Through the UIDAI APIs, we send and OTP to their registered mobile number, which is linked to their Aadhaar. They enter that OTP and we complete their KYC using the DigiLocker, which is a KYC repository uh, yeah, created yeah. by the we've,
0: government. Right? We've had Amit Ranjan from DigiLocker on Pesa Vesa back in 2018. So, you know, and I'm hoping that the account aggregate actually takes off Absolutely. in a really big way and that DigiLocker really unlocks a potential. Oh, sorry, I, mean, I get really, really... Excited about the potential that DigiLocker has an account ag- aggregator. So, sorry, I interrupted you there. But folks, you might just want to take a listen on that episode. Sorry, Anubhav, please go on.
1: So, the DigiLocker basically helps me, uh, helps this proprietor complete their personal care price. Now, because this is an MSME, so the difference between a consumer BNPL and B2B BNPL is, I am underwriting the business. In, case, in our case, most, the, most of the customers are proprietorships. So the proprietor and the proprietorship are not different. So all we need is one business KYC document of the proprietorship. It could be their registration certificate, shops and establishment certificate, GST certificate, some kind of a license, trade trade agreement, multiple documents as per RBI. We take that. Once you do that, the next screen is your... Terms and conditions, which you have to check box and complete. That's it. That completes your journey. There is no bank statement. There is no financials. We don't ask for ITRs because we are here going after very small businesses. And we believe that friction only leads to adverse selection. So we have removed friction as an embedded product in all our journeys. And we keep it very simple for MSMEs to use rupify
0: Who solves this problem before you've come in? As in, this is an an existing issue, obviously, because Kiranas are, you know, and SMEs and MSMEs are huge in India. What is the current solution for exactly the same problem today?
1: Sure. We can break it down into multiple parts to understand the current solution. Some of these marketplaces are doing it themselves. Now, the challenge with that is that's a lot of working capital uh, hit that they will take. Because if they are giving this 15-day credit option, then they are increasing the working capital requirement for themselves, which is not sustainable if you have to keep growing, right? Or you will need a lot of capital to do that. Uh, Since most of these B2B marketplaces are themselves startups and themselves still not profitable, it's very difficult for them to get working capital lines from banks, right? So they'll have to use their equity to do that, which is again very costly. Uh, so, but that but that's something that's currently happening in small pockets. Then we do have a couple of competitors who have been providing this solution in some form uh, in the past. Uh, different competitors have different ways of solving this problem. Some of them still require the customer to download their app, which creates friction. So, uh, but that's also a solution in the market. If you look at the same use case in offline, then there are companies you spoke about, Wayana. That you've spoken, they are one of the companies that do this, right? So they've been doing it for a long time. They are one of the pioneers in this space, but they do it slightly larger businesses and slightly larger ticket sizes, right? So, so for this kind of ticket size, uh, they don't operate. And then you have the Kirana Stores' newest found friend, BharatPay, which does this. Okay. So BharatPay does it slightly differently we use the purchase data, the cash outflow of the SME to underwrite them. A player like BharatPay would use their cash inflow, the receivables data on their QR code to underwrite them. Right. So, so those are the solutions that exist in market. Uh, and it's still an evolving space.
0: It is, it is, it is. And it's also an important space, right? Because the liquidity management for the smaller stores right is a pretty big thing i mean i'm i'm sure that the b2b marketplaces are reasonably well funded and their challenge is to get that payment from the kirana store maybe that's where your um where rupify comes in but you spoke about underwriting so what is the underwriting model that you follow at rupify
1: sure so anupam i think that's uh without okay. getting too much into details what i can tell you is the thing that we do is we rely heavily on transaction data The best way to understand the difference between a B2B BNPL and consumer BNPL is in consumer BNPL, you underwrite the consumer. In B2B BNPL, we underwrite the transaction. So what I mean by that, there is a Kirana store. And let's say in a month, they're doing a business of 10 lakh rupees. And for doing a turnover of 10 lakhs, they're buying, let's say their margin is only 10%. So they're buying supplies worth 9 lakhs and selling it for 10 lakhs. I don't need to know that. Because the only way to know that is through their bank statements and their financials and everything. In that also, you may not know that complete picture because part of that business is in cash. So what we are saying is, out of that 9 lakh suppliers, this Kirana store is breaking it down into 5 suppliers. 2 lakhs, he's buying from, let's say, an Udaan. 5 lakhs, he's buying from an offline distributor. 1 lakh, he's buying from Marketplace A and another 1 lakh from Marketplace B. If I'm tied up with marketplace A, I only need to understand that transaction behavior of this retailer and give him sufficient limit to do that 1 lakh monthly purchase. Right? I am not here to give him that 9 lakhs because it will not help if I give him 9 lakh limit on marketplace A because he doesn't come to that marketplace for all his buying. So we are underwriting transactions of that small business on a particular supplier. So we will give him, in this example, 1 lakh limit on, let's say, first marketplace. If now tomorrow I tie up with marketplace B, I will have that transaction to underwrite. So I'll give him another 1 lakh on that marketplace. So I'm slowly getting into different closed loop transactions of this retailer. And that's where that transaction data becomes important. How much are you buying on that marketplace? What's your frequency? What's your vintage? How consistently do you buy? What's your average order value? Is it growing? Is it coming down? Do you see an impact during COVID waves? We use all that data to underwrite. So that's the core of our underwriting. Mm. We also use credit bureau data, but we've seen that 40% of these Kirana stores, they don't have any credit history. So even if I pull their bureau, I don't get anything out of it. So... I still have to build a lot of my underwriting models based on the transaction.
0: You mentioned that this is a subvention model from the distributor or the B2B marketplace partner. So it. Do you do you yourself have any finance partners? Um, if not, then what is the basic value proposition that you take to the other side of the table? I understood the kick, the kick, the store or the SME side, but what about the other side? You know, the people who actually finance these transactions.
1: Sure. So, for, so there are two partners that we have on the demand side. The partner is the B two B marketplace. The value to them is very simple by offering Rupify BNPL, you increase your sales, you increase your stickiness with the customers. You provide them with flexible payment options and your GMV goes up, your business grows. right? Very, very simple. So that's why we charge them the subvention. So they're ready to pay that subvention. For the lender, the value prop is also quite simple because we operate in very small ticket size and very high frequency product. Most of the lenders, they don't have the capability to do that. And this product cannot be done, Anupam, in a manual mode. Imagine today we do uh, more than a few hundred thousand transactions every month an average transaction size is less than 10000 rupees that kind of volume a typical lender cannot manage through a through a manual process so you need a technology partner to build that book right that's the i think value we provide to the to the to the most of our nbfc partners that we help them enter a segment which is core everyone wants to go after smes but they don't know how to underwrite Right? So I think that's the second value we provide. And the biggest value that we provide is collections. I think we are able to collect well from these uh, small businesses. One thing that helps us collect well is a stop supply arrangement. So what we do is, let's say you are a store, You bought something from a marketplace. After 30 days, you didn't pay me. Right? If you don't pay me, I will block you on that marketplace. So you are not going to be able to purchase in future. That is a big deterrent Mm. because no small business wants to disrupt supply of goods that they have, right? So I think through all of these methods, we are able to build a very good quality book for these lenders and that's the value they find in us.
0: Because everybody from banks and NBFCs have tried to crack this for, I don't know, for as long back as I can think, but. My conversations with them, the problems are, and these are problems that you understand. Low ticket size, you're not sure about the quality of the book. The cost for the bank or the NBFC to build that book itself is too expensive, and it doesn't just doesn't justify the uh, that that kind of exposure. So, while the size of the opportunity has always been great, really cracking it, everybody's tried, and you know some have done well, some have not done well. Two questions for you here, Anubha. One is, What is a, what happens when things go wrong? You know, if if things go wrong, we've had a pretty bad last couple of years and who knows, um, you know, this sector has been severely hit by that. Yes. Could you, could you walk us through, you know, you said that you just blocked the person from, you've just blocked the store from the marketplace. I, you know, we don't know what the reason could have been for this store to delay payment. But how do NPAs work? What is the worst case scenario out here? Let's look at these slightly sticky you know, these sticky parts of this business. Sure.
1: So I think, as you rightly said, this is the this is the most severely impacted segment in the last two years, which is a fact. And I think we started in Jan 2020, we rolled out our product in July 20, right in the middle of pandemic. And then we had the second wave and recently we had the third wave. Small businesses, unlike consumers, don't have a fixed salary rate. So let's stick to that fact that you cannot expect them to pay you on the first of every month or the fifth of every month, you would have to give them flexibility in your product for delays. So what we do is, even if I'm saying that I need that uh, repayment in 15 days or 30 days, right? I make it flexible. So if from 15th date you want to go to 17th day, you can do that for a small fee. Unlike a a loan product or a consumer BNPL product, the moment your EMI bounces, it's a it's a very hard impact on your credit bureau. It's a delinquency You get into rough collections processes. And it's a very difficult experience for the the borrower. In our case, we know that these are SMEs. Volatility of cash flows is part and parcel of their day-to-day business. So we have to give them flexibility. So what we do is for a 15-day product, we also keep a 15-day grace period. During that grace period, we don't impact their credit bureau, but we do charge them a penalty to disincentivize them from delaying beyond a point. That has really helped us. So if you see our portfolio also, during second wave, I won't say that our delinquencies did not go up. They did go up. But the customers were still paying a part of their dues all the time. So we did have customers delaying and going into delinquency, but they did not default. We were able to recover all of them so someone who had let's say 10000 dues and they had to pay in 15 days they probably paid 1000 rupees a week and cleared that off in two and a half months that's okay with us right so you have to create that product flexibility and i think that's what we have done which trust me it's funny that when i speak to some of the banks and nbfc partners when i tell them that i need this they say our lms does not have this feature how do you how do you build this flexibility how can you give a grace period how can you charge a a fee for delay in payments, which is per day calculated. Uh, I can't do all that in my LMS. Right? LMS is
0: loan management system,
1: sir. Absolutely, it's their loan management system. It's very, it's very archaic. It's very legacy system that they are using. So we tell them that hey, then you'll have to t- rely on our technology because we have a a state of the art loan management system where all of this can be built. In fact, it's not built by us. Our loan management system. There are off the shelf. Uh, loan management systems and APIs available to bring all this flexibility. So some of the lending partners have actually now taken those uh, new edge systems and tried to do this. So I think that's that's how we differentiate. And one big differentiator I must highlight is we look at B2B, BNPL as a payments product and not as a lending product. Mm. That really changes the game because you have to understand as a customer, if I use BNPL to buy a TV, I'm taking a loan. I don't have the money. I want to pay it over a period of time in EMIs. That is not the case in B2B. The guy is simply saying, I am buying stuff. I'll pay you after 15 days. Then I'll again buy and again pay you after 15 days. It's a payment solution. It's a deferred payment solution. So, And it is used for a certain purpose, which is core to their business. It's not a discretionary luxury spend. For the small business, I think if you look at it from that lens, the kind of things you'll optimize will completely change, and that really creates a a delightful experience for the small business.
0: Hmm. Just winding up this episode. I don't know, what have been the learnings so far? Any you know, I don't know surprises that you've uh, that that you face that have taught you a lot of stuff. Any anything to share, or maybe some progress milestones just for our listeners to understand either your size or anything at all out here
1: sure i think one one very important learning that we've had is small businesses in india while they may not be very well educated they're very smart they can do their math faster than you they know their calculations they know how much interest i'm paying if you charge them penal a penal interest at a certain rate they know it's impacting their business so uh unless you have those hidden charges in your in your product if you are clear about what charges you have when are you going to charge them uh, and all of these they can consume financial products very well you just have to educate them so I think that's the biggest learning we've had that once you educate them they will they will find absolute repeat usage in your product to give you some numbers are Top ten percent customers for Rupify have used Rupify more than sixty-five times in the last one year. Sixty-five times in one year.
0: Five times a month, almost. That's, that's more like, than once a week. Once a week, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's the kind of
1: repeat I command once I educate the customer that why this product is useful for you. I think that's a that's a big learning for me. I was always thinking, are we going after the right customer? Is he educated? Bnpl? Does he really understand what it means? But it's a big learning, and I think. Uh, it's changing. COVID has really amplified adoption of these products, I think, I must say. So, sure. so yeah, I think we are in a great time.
0: But, um, if some of our listeners want to get to know more about your product or have someone who might need Five, what does he or she do? Does he have to contact his distributor and then sign up from there? Or can he just directly approach you? How does this work?
1: For the SME, they have to go through a distributor because we embed ourselves in the distributor. There is no way a SME can directly use Five.
0: And if there is a distributor who
1: wants to work with us, the best way to reach out is to reach out to me or my team on LinkedIn. We are very active on LinkedIn.
0: Okay, great. So there you go, folks. You want to reach out to Anubhav, just check out his LinkedIn or just go to his website. And I'm sure that yes. if you are a distributor who is looking to tie up and help his you know the uh, the the stores that he supplies his goods, so you know where to go. Okay. Finally, you know, let's just take one step back and look at how this whole industry is shaping out. Specifically, and uh, since we spoke about DigiLocker, let's talk about account aggregator and how you see the future of SME or MSME lending in India.
1: Sure. I think account aggregator is a is a great start to democratizing data. Uh, The biggest problem that has existed in SME lending is how do you get data? Do you trust that data? Uh, The cost of collecting that data because collecting bank statements is cumbersome. Current accounts have always been uh, a nightmare to work with. Uh, GST data for a small business, Uh, their returns from the income tax department. These are all heavy documents and there is no way of standard collecting these documents. I think what account aggregator will do is through one OTP, provide consent for all of these uh, different sources of financial information and give it on a plate, serve it on a plate to the to the financial institution, the lender who's underwriting the customer. So it's a great uh, start. I think more than retail customers, it's definitely going to help the MSME side of business uh, from a lending standpoint. The other... Initiatives which are which are important, which I must highlight, is the the Okin framework, which is coming up, which is also trying to democratize small ticket uh, SME lending in the country in terms of creating standard rails, uh, standard handshakes uh, of APIs for for creating sachet loans, very small ticket loans, so that even the last long tail of SMEs can be served. While these are good initiatives, uh, Anupam and I'm super excited about these. I think we also have to execute and get them to, to implementation. It's not going to be an easy task working with lenders, especially to get them to embrace this. I think UPI was a, different, was a different initiative. People say that if we can do UPI, then we can also do OKEN and we can also do account aggregator. I think the comparison is not apples to apples. Uh, UPI was about money transfer. The risks were much lower uh, you could always standardize and uh, the the kind of payment rails, but credit is different. There's always a credit risk. There's always a collections risk that's there. So people do have their their own reservations, but I think we are on the right track.
0: Good to know that. What's the exact term? You said the Oaken architecture. What? How do you spell that?
1: It's O C E N. It ah. stands for uh, Open Credit Enablement Network.
0: Yeah, but that sounds quite exciting, and I hope that the you know whoever's handling this entire project yes. get it right because it I think it truly has the potential to transform this very large piece of the pie, right? Because I yes. think um India's retail is still pretty much eighty percent mom and pop, right? And yes. Beyond that, they all, I mean, more importantly, of course, the fact is that they employ a large amount of people on the ground. Absolutely. And uh, anyway, <laughs> I can go on and on. There's so a folks there. You go. You should also probably listen to the episode on Vana network to understand this space in bigger detail we've at Pesa Pesa we've tried to look at all things money like I said recently on a LinkedIn post so you know stuff like this I really find what Rupify is doing really exciting serves and solves a specific need that is there that you know that that needs to be solved in a organized manner and in a transparent manner and I think Anubhav that's what you're doing at Rupify what are your future plans from here on?
1: So, I mean, if I have to talk about the vision of the company where we want to be, we want to serve uh, 15 million small businesses of the country by 2025.
0: How many are there in total? Just to get an <laughs> idea of the size and where, it's, how much of that you're trying to... Uh,
1: yeah, so I think first thing is, uh, in terms of numbers, we have kept ourselves a, a North Star metric, a target of reaching 15 million small businesses in India. That would be roughly uh, 15 to 20 percent of the market. Today we are 60 million businesses. Uh, as we grow in the next three years, this number could easily touch 80 to 100 million SMEs in the country. Uh, that's one thing that we want to do. The second thing that you know we can we are imagining ourselves to be is GST becoming mandatory, e-invoicing going live for all B2B transactions. We want to be part of every B2B payment. Imagine that every GST invoice carries a virtual payment address powered by Rupify. That's the kind of uh, work we are doing right now. In fact, we have been selected by the Ministry of Electronics and Information Technology, METI, to build digital payments for MSMEs in India. So we are working with the government. We will work with the policymakers to make digital payments and B2B payments more, uh, more simple. I think that's the objective for us.
0: Fantastic, Anubhav. And I wish you guys all the very best on this. Come back to Pesa when you've achieved these goals or you're close to (laughs) achieving these goals. I'm pretty sure that you'll probably just blow, you know, you'll just blow past all your numbers. But folks, there you go. That is a wrap on this episode of Pesa My guest, Anubhav Jain, co-founder at Drupify. Anubhav, thank you so much for doing this for our listeners.
1: Thank you so much, Anubhav. really enjoyed the conversation.
0: And listeners, if you like this podcast, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IBM network. You can listen to us on the IBM podcast app or ibmpodcast.com. You can also follow us on our social media. We are IBM podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And if you want to reach out to me, I'm your host Anupam Gupta B50 on Twitter. And thank you so much for listening to Baisa Baisa.